Like I said, we want to welcome everybody joining us today. Now, before we jump right into our first week, I want to share what our scripture verse is going to be. Now, each month I like to have a theme. And we will actually drive that theme from one scripture text and we'll spend the rest of the month expounding on that and connecting it to other scriptures. And so, our theme for the month, and who can tell me what holiday happens in November? Anybody? Thanksgiving! Now, Thanksgiving is probably one of my favorite holidays because it's one of my favorite subjects. It's the subject of what? Giving thanks, right? But I think we as humans kind of blow it out of proportion and fail to properly understand what giving thanks and appreciation truly look like and what they're supposed to look like. And when we get into our sermon for this morning, we're going to talk about how we may have lost picture of even the holiday itself. But our scripture theme for the month is going to be found in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through 29, and they say, and this is the message, which is actually a paraphrase. So if you're following along in your own Bible, it's probably going to be a little different. It says, do you not see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you not see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He is actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's cleansed. God himself is fire. Now, There's a verse in scripture that says, our God is a consuming fire. And that's what it says, our God himself is fire. But when we think about that, we may think of it in a negative context, but we've been looking and talking a lot about the scriptures and the big picture. How we did not do ourselves any favors by dividing the Bible chapter and verse. Because how many of you guys have ever read a book, especially those old enough to read chapter books, and you realize that if you skip a chapter or a page, you get lost, don't you? But when we divided the Bible, we kind of think that chapter and verses mean we can split it apart and just take this part from here and that part from there and kind of know. And the truth of it is, is we're giving ourselves... I wouldn't even qualify it as the Cliff Notes version of the Bible because it's even more subtracted than that. That'd be like, you all have your friend who takes really good notes and then you have your friend who never pays attention and they just doodle and they may want write one word out of a 50-word essay kind of thing. When we take the Bible and split it apart like that, it's like we're studying for a test, but instead of getting the good notes from the friend who wrote down everything, we got the notes from the person who literally won't run word out of the whole two-hour class. We don't want to do that. We wouldn't do that to ourselves if we were taking a major test, would we? And so, 
that part about our God being consuming fire starts off saying, you know, do you not see what we've got? We're part of an unshakable kingdom, and shouldn't we be thankful for that? For God's not a God who sits idly by, but a God who's involved in our lives. And I thought that'd be a great theme verse for us to look at, because you know what? When we are talking about the reasons to be thankful, should we not be thankful that God is a God who loves and cares for his children, that he looks after us, that he cares about us, that he knows our name, right? Now, if I were to ask you what was the meaning of the holiday Thanksgiving, how many of you would think, Pilgrims, and that's what you, you know. That's what you know about Thanksgiving, pilgrims. Anybody? Pilgrims? Show of hands. Pilgrims? Now, how many of you guys know from what we were taught that Thanksgiving was the pilgrims' way of saying thanks to the Indians, right? How many of you guys ever remember that story in school? Well, here's why I'm going to tell you that story in school is what we're taught in school, because school has been trying to take who out of school? God. It was a way to say thanks to the Indians, but they just invited them to the party as a way of saying thanks. The party wasn't thrown necessarily in their honor. The party was being thrown to celebrate Thanksgiving and the fact that, you know what? These pilgrims had had a safe passage from London, and it hadn't all been smooth sailing, probably. And there had been some rough times. And then when they thought that all was lost, the Indians had come and shared food with them so that they were able to eat, so that they wouldn't perish. And so Thanksgiving was a celebration of the fact that God was faithful to them and that God provided for them. So Thanksgiving... was a way of saying thanks to God. But of course they're not going to teach that lesson in school. Now I want us to look at the first scripture we're going to look at, compounding, giving thanks and thanksgiving. I want us to turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. This time I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It says this, Paul, an apostle, special messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints, the consecrated people of God, and believing and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace, spiritual favor and blessing to you, and heart and peace from God our Father. We continually give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we are praying for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus the leaning of your entire human personality on him and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, 
and of the love which you have shown for all the saints and all of God's consecrated ones. Because of the hope of experiencing what is laid up and reserved and waiting for you in heaven, of this hope you have heard in the past in the message of the gospel of truth, which has come to you, indeed, in the whole world that the gospel is, bearing fruit and is still growing by its own inherent power, even as it has done among yourselves ever since the first day you heard and came to know and understand the grace of God and truth. And then it says, you came to know the grace and undeserved favor of God in reality, deeply and clearly and thoroughly, becoming, inac- becoming accurately and intimately acquainted with it. I like how he starts off. He says what? We give thanks for you, right? How many of you guys have ever said thank you to somebody? Now, how many of you have ever done something for someone and were not told thank you? Or, let's be honest, how many of you, even though you were told thanks, kind of felt like they didn't fully appreciate what was done for you, what you did for them? Even though they went through the motions of saying thank you and they gave you the words, you didn't feel like they necessarily appreciated it, right? I want us to look at that verse. I'm going to read it one more time, this time from the NIV translation. But I'm going to focus on verse 3 right fast. So it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. We have spent some months building up to this. We started by looking at how important it is to have knowledge of God, of who he is, and of his word. And how that knowledge of him strengthens our faith in him, our belief, and how through that knowledge and faith we are to have no fear of the world or what the world may do for, to us because God is for us. And this month we're going to focus on how all of that translates into us being thankful. Now, we look in Colossians, we see that Paul's thanksgiving. He's thankful for other people and their faith, right? And how they treat other people, how nice they treat others. He says, I thank them for their faith, right? How many of us have ever been thankful for someone's faith? Hebrews 11.1 reminds us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Faith always has an object to have faith in. We don't put our faith in nothing, do we? Regardless of whatever we're putting our faith in, there is something that we put it in, whether it's a person, whether it's a teaching, whether it's money, 
We put faith in something or someone, don't we? What Paul says here is, he says, you know what? I'm thankful that your faith, your faith is in God. And that your faith is in Jesus. It's utterly important for us to have faith. Our scripture back in October reminded us That in Revelation, it says this in Revelation 21. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And then he said, Write for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But here's where it said, and this was our theme verse for last month, which is why it supports our theme verse for this month. He says, but for the cowardly and the unbelieving, and he has an end list there, but pay attention to who he groups that group with. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the immoral people and the sorcerers and the idolaters and the liars. Wait, some of those were pretty bad, weren't they? But yet the unbelievers, those without faith, are lumped right in there, aren't they? He says, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. why faith is such a huge part of who we are in Christ. We've been called his children. Remember our theme verse from Hebrews says, do you, not, well, God, do you not see what we have? An unshakable kingdom. And do you not see how thankful we must be? Brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God faith in all that God has done and all that he will do. Hebrews 11, 1 said it, right? Now faith is the assurance of what? Things hoped for. Assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of hope goes beyond what we may even believe the word hope to me. Because, like I've said earlier about the word giving thanks, we've kind of undermined it with the word hope truly means and who we should put our hope in. We say things like, I hope it doesn't rain today, right? But we've seen the weather forecast. We know it's probably going to rain, right? We're not saying that word hope with assurance, with conviction, with belief. But Hebrews 11.1 1 is saying, now faith is the assurance, the conviction, the belief in what we hope for. 
the conviction, the belief, the assurance in the things that are not seen. Give thanks to God. One of our favorite scripture verses that even people who don't profess any faith can recite is what? John 3.16, right? And it says, what? That he gave his only begotten son so that, what? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's not, not a reason to be thankful right there. The fact that we shall not die, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And who? Who's included in that? What did it say? Did it just say the select few? Did it just say those who find, that those that God finds pleasing? It says the who. The whosoever. So who does that cover? Everybody, everyone, right? So there's a reason to be thankful right there. That God loves us so much that he sent who? Jesus. To die on the cross for what? Our sins. Not his. But for us. We weren't born then, but he knew. He knew us. And he died for us just the same. We didn't see it, but that's where faith comes in, right? We weren't there like some of the disciples were, but we believe it happened. We are convicted that it did. We claim that forgiveness in our lives, and we are assured that that forgiveness has been given, right? We can be confident that God hears our prayers. We start every service and we have our times of praise reports and thanksgiving. And every time we start, I always say that we do our praise reports first because I what? We want to remind everybody what God has already done for us. That way when we think about those burdens upon our hearts and when we share them, we can be reminded of the fact that he is a God who loves us, he is a God who hears us, and he is a God who cares, he is there. And if he has already answered our prayers before, or if he has answered the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ, then he is listening and he will hear and answer our prayers as well. Confidence. And sometimes this may be the conviction of the things not seen comes in. Because sometimes we may not even see or understand his answer to our prayers right then and there. I've said it once and I'll say it again. I am not a believer in unanswered prayers. I believe you get an answer. It may not be the one you like, but you get one. There's yes. There's no. And then there's wait. And sometimes those no and those waits or what we like to call unanswered prayers because it wasn't the answer we were looking for. But we need to learn to be thankful 
Thankful in the waits and thankful in the no. Because the thing is, we may be willing to settle for something less than what God has in store for us. It'd be like if we started praying for a mode of transportation and we got a bike, right? Because we went out and got it ourselves. And we figured that, you know, well, God doesn't help those who don't help themselves, right? Ever heard that? So we figured, you know, that this bike just happened to be on sale, so it was meant to be. This was the mode of transportation we had been working for. Mind you, God had something else working. I've had a friend who's prayed for transportation, and you know what she got? It wasn't a bike. It was a car. You see, God has a promise in our lives to do great and amazing things for us. Something that we should be thankful for. But sometimes we're not thankful enough for the promise that God gives us that we anticipate blessings, and when we anticipate blessings, sometimes we circumvent them. You want a famous Bible example of that? Ishmael and Isaac. Abraham was promised a son, wasn't he? And they were all getting a little old. Abraham and Sarah felt like they were getting too old. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it had not happened, did it? Not according to their time schedule. And because it didn't happen during their time schedule, Sarah said, you know what? Here's my handmaiden, Hagar. Conceive a son with her, it will be just like we had had a son. Mind you, that is not what God had promised to happen. He had said that Abraham and Sarah would have a child. Hagar, no matter how much Sarah wanted it to work, did not fulfill that promise. She was not what was intended. But they did. They had, I, they had Ishmael, right? I had the privilege of going to see Joyce Myers in conference just this week. And she was talking about that. And Ishmael, part of his name means war right? Strife. By anticipating God's blessing and circumventing it, because they weren't willing to be thankful for what God had promised and faithful enough to wait on it, they brought strife and war into their lives. That came in the form of a child, but how many of us feel like we may have strife and war in our own lives because we have anticipated and circumvented blessings from God. Let's admit it. We are not patient people. And here's the thing about patience. We think because we wait, we're patient. I will be the first to tell you I am not a patient person, no matter how much I wait. It is still a spiritual gift that I am developing. It may not be one that I ever develop, I'm praying. That maybe. But patience in waiting patiently upon the Lord is not about how long we wait. It's about how we wait. It's about the spirit and the attitude we have when we're waiting. It's about being thankful of the promises 
and thankful while we wait. And when we don't get what we want, we are not thankful people, are we? Israelites were freed from slavery, right? They were wandering. They got a little lost because they wanted to be their own drivers. No, I'm joking. And they got a little hungry. And what do you think was one of the first things they said? I'd rather go back and be slaves because at least we were getting fed. They had cried out for freedom for how many centuries? But at the first sign of any difficulties, they'd rather go back to bondage. And how many of us have things in our lives that hold us in chains? Things in our lives that we may be slaves to. Things that tie us down and hold us back. And when everything is as it should be, when the world is perfect and it's smiling down on us and it's sunny and sh the sun is shining brightly upon our faces, it's easy to put those things behind us, isn't it? But the first sign of trouble, the first time we feel worn down and let down, because things didn't go the way we wanted them to. We forget to say thanks for our troubles and instead become slaves again. That's what the Israelites wanted. They complained so much about God was trying to provide for them while he was trying to deliver them that a whole generation of them was unable to enter the promised land because they failed to be thankful. Lord, help us that we may ever fail to realize the blessings that the Lord is bestowing upon us that we miss out on a blessing. Or heaven forbid, we miss out on the biggest blessing. What was that scripture in Revelation? Those who are unbelieving and cowardly, they would be lumped into the lake of fire with the idolaters and the murderers and the immoral people. He didn't differentiate it. Those who didn't, those who lacked belief were as bad as the bad. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says that we've been saved by grace through faith. And that this saving faith is a gift from God. God was active in saving us, right? We said that scripture earlier, right? How was he active? What did he do? He sent us Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And it's not like he had a quota he was trying to fill either, right? We can be thankful that in fact he is still saving us today. That he is still blessing us. That he is still watching after us. Why though? Why does God do this? Love. 
It said it in Colossians, right? Faith in Christ will result in love for others in our lives as well, though. Love is one of those things that can defy definition and description. The best way to describe it is to show it, to do it. God's love isn't a noun, right? It's a verb. You remember anything from school? You remember a verb is what? An action word, right? A verb means that you're doing something. A noun means that it's a proper object, a proper thing, right? But a verb implies that there's going to have to be some action involved. And there was, right? God's love, the biggest action there was, was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and then every time that we are blessed every time that we repent of our sins and we are forgiven that is what God's love but it doesn't stop there because we are called to do what to show God's love to the world we are called God's love then becomes a verb and an adjective right it describes the kind of love we're to show we're to show God's love to the world. And in Colossians, that's what Paul is giving thanks for, that they understand that so well. I give thanks for you for your faith and for the love that you show others. How many of us have somebody on this earth that we know loves us unconditionally. And how many of us have family we know is always there for us that loves us? Friends, spouses, children. Let us be thankful for that love. We teach the kids that, right? One of the little Sunday school lessons, and sometimes they'll even do it in school these days. At least we did it in my school. I don't know if they still do it in school. Is we used to write things we were thankful for on leaves or little hand turkeys. And we'd write the things we were thankful for. And we'd list, let's see, we'd make a hand turkey, right? And so we'd list what? Five things, four things if we decided to make the thumb the head of the turkey. So we'd write four things that we were thankful for. And normally those four things would normally derive of what? Family or parents. Sometimes if we were creative, we'd split them apart. Your parents and then your, your brother or your sister, your siblings. Food, home, shelter, game playstations, whatever. Xboxes, whatever you had that you played with. Pets, 
was always a popular item, right? God, Jesus, church. As kids doing that exercise, they never struggle with four things, do they? They struggle with trying to limit it to four things, right? But yet, as we get older, and we are asked those same questions. If we were to have to do that exercise, the older we get, to draw our little hand turkey and list four to five things we were thankful for. How quickly could we fill it up? Or would we have to stop and think and search and try to remember. I want us to approach this time of Thanksgiving as it's coming up, this whole month, to change it into a season of thanks. For us to think of something at least once a day, specifically, that we are thankful for. Not just in general terms, I'm thank you for this day, Lord. Because that should always be something that we're thankful for. I'm thank you for Jesus, because that's always something we should be thankful for. But I challenge us this day, that for the rest of this month, and quite possibly for the rest of our lives, that we learn to be more intentional about giving thanks. When Paul was saying he was thankful... He listed it out, didn't he? I'm thankful for your faith, and I'm thankful for the love that you show others. And let's admit it, we did that exercise where some of us felt like maybe we had done stuff for people in the past, and even though they had said thank you, that we didn't feel like they were truly appreciative enough, that's probably because they didn't list everything, right? They just said a general thank you, but they didn't specifically break it down for us and list everything that we were thankful for. I'm thankful that you did this, 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 and this, right? Now, God doesn't expect that kind of thanks from us, though. But for us to learn to be just to, to indwell in the attitude of thanksgiving, we've become so desensitized to everything that he's already doing for us. That to get it back, I think we need to be more intentional about recognizing what he's already doing. Before we start praying and claiming large blessings in our lives, and he will give them to us if it's according to his will and in his, his time, I think what we may need to recognize first is what he's already done and what he's already doing. You may have been praying for something for you. But if you take this challenge, I'm beginning to wonder if some of you who've been praying for something may realize that he has been slowly answering your prayers a day at a time. And you just haven't realized it because it hasn't been in your time. It's been in his. There's a song that we sing. It says, I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. Whatever the future holds, I'm in his hands. The days I cannot see have all been planned for me. 
His way is best, you see. I'm in his hands. Be thankful for the fact that you, that we have a God who loves us so much. Be thankful beyond the fact that he sent Jesus, because that should be something we are thankful for every single day with every breath we take. But be thankful for everything that he's done. For the breath that we're taking right now. For the opportunity to gather together in his house that he has given us. For the clothes we're wearing on our body. For the food in which we'll eat. For the shelter he's provided over our head. There's another song we sing that says, Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so today, some music is going to play. We're actually going to sing that song, I'm in his hands. And as it plays, we'll have the altar available. You can come and take some time in prayer to give thanks and to promise to be more intentional in giving thanks to the Lord. So as it plays, we'll invite you to come. trust the one who whispers peace although the winds and waves would threaten to confound me you walked upon the ancient seas you still can calm the storm in In the night that lies before me But I hold the hand that made the stars My faith is firm in 
the one who watches over me His steadfast love will be my guard He will forever hold my heart I'm in His hands I'm in His hands Whatever the future holds I'm in His hands The days I cannot see Have all been planned for me His way is best You see I'm in His hands In days gone by You have always been my portion when I have yielded to your love So here I stand alive in you And available for you to use me Take all my life For your glory, Jesus Christ I'm in your hands I'm in your hands Whatever the future holds I'm in your hands The days I cannot see Have you been planned for me? for the, the small blessings, those things that we may tend to overlook, Lord, those blessings that you pour out upon us afresh each new day, Lord. 
we thank you for those, Lord. And for the big blessings, Lord. For healing, for miracles, for everything that you do for us, Lord. We give thanks in those things. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, for sending him to die on the cross for our sins, that we may be forgiven, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for your love. Lord, help us grow our faith. Help us to learn to rely upon you and to be thankful in all things. And Lord, we ask these things. We claim victory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Before we are dismissed, just a couple of quick announcements. We'd love for you to join us next week as we continue our look at giving thanks and having a thankful attitude in the seasons of thanks and how it should influence our lives and the lives of those around us. We will not be having youth night this Tuesday night, but we will be doing a movie night this Friday. So everyone's invited to join us in the fellowship hall right next door at six o'clock Friday night. We'll be having a movie night. We will be watching the movie Inside Out. I believe it's supposed to come out Tuesday. It's already pre-ordered through Amazon, so it should be in the box on Tuesday. <laughs> so we will be watching the movie Inside Out on t Friday. We would love for you to join us. Six o'clock in the fellowship hall, we'll have popcorn and drinks. May God watch over you and keep you safe until we can meet once more in his house. Go in peace. Hi, how are you? Thank you guys for joining us.